Our emotions are closely tied to our money, aren't they? And, and that's why, uh, as I've said often, that's why people get funny when we talk about money, right? Especially in church, right? And, and how quickly, how, uh, how really well that depicts uh, our emotions attached to our finances. Hey, welcome to, to, to Hallmark. Thank you for being here this morning. If you're new uh, to Hallmark, my name is John. I'm the pastor here. I'm blessed to be a part of this church. And, and I would love to get to know you. I'd love to meet you. As Carlos already mentioned, we'd love to connect with you. So immediately following the service, I'll be right out here in the foyer uh, with my wife. And I would just love to have an opportunity to meet you. So turn me to Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21, we're going to get there in just a moment. We are in our, our third week and our final week of this series, First Fruits. And again, we've been talking about giving God our best and our first. Today we're going to talk about giving Him our heart. And again, we've been looking at this aspect. If, if you have your bulletin, I encourage you to, to grab that, look at that, take notes. Uh, there's a lot of information that we're going to walk through, and, and I would encourage you to spend some time this week looking back over it, reminding yourself of maybe what God taught you this Sunday morning in church. But it also gives us the, the, really the big idea of the last two Sunday morning services. So maybe you weren't able to be here last week or the week before, and so we're going to catch you up real quickly just really by giving you the two big ideas from the previous two weeks when we're talking about our first fruits. Number one, or week, week one, we, we, we made this or asked this question, this statement. Give God the best of me and not the rest of me. Right, this is kind of this question, does God get the best of me or the rest of me? Or this statement, God, I'm going to give you the best of me, not the rest of me. And, and if you were here last Sunday, uh, Preston, one of our fourth graders here at Hallmark Kids, he was challenged by that message and came and gave us a little testimony about how God spoke to him about what it meant in his life to give God the best of him, not the rest of him. And week two, the big idea was is pretty simple too. G- give God the first and trust him with the rest. Now that's a really easy statement to make and really kind of in theory really simple to understand. But not really simple to live out, is it? As, as easy as it sounds, it's really difficult. I'm going to give God the first, the first fruits. I'm going to give him the best, and I'm going to give him the first, and I'm going to trust him with the rest. And so we really could summarize the last two Sunday mornings with really one question. Do I give God my first, and do I give God my best? And so we're going to continue to talk about that this morning. And I just want to share one verse that's kind of been really, I hope, giving us a better perspective as we think about giving God the best of us, not the rest of us. And that's Psalms 24, verse 1. And that verse simply says, The earth is the Lord's in all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. So when we understand that everything that we have, our, our talents, our time, and our treasure, everything we have we have because of God. In other words, when I, when I make a decision and I understand the reality, the truth is that everything I have, God gave to me first. When I realize that Scripture asks that God wants me to give back, and He wants me to give the best of me, not the rest of me. He wants me to give the first, not the last. When, when I realize that everything I have was first given to me by God, it, the perspective changes everything, that I'm just giving back to Him what He first gave to me. And every parent understands this when we, when we drive through McDonald's drive through and get an order of fries for our kids. We just want a few fries. Can I get an amen? amen. Kids, are you listening today? 
They're definitely not listening to that. All right, kids, all you kids up here, we have our family worship. Everybody look up here. All you kids look up here, all right? Everybody look up. All you kids look up here. Uh, on the count of three, I, I, want you to, I want you to answer this question so you can answer it honestly, okay? It's a yes or no question, okay? So you think about it. Uh, I'm going to ask you the question, then I'm going to count to three, and you're going to answer the question. Are we, kids, are you, are you tracking me? Here's the question. Are you listening to me, all right? One, two, three. Did anybody say no? I was kind of hoping somebody would. All right, who we got over here? All right. So I'm going to just stand and look at this way the whole time, all right? Somebody's getting his, hey, how are you doing? <laughs> hey, I said be honest, right? So I love honesty. So when, when mom and dad, kids, when mom and dad buy you the french fries, okay, maybe they should after church go buy you some french fries, but we'll, we'll talk about that later. When they buy you french fries, how many, kids, how many of your mom and dad always, especially your dad, always just want a few french fries? You raise your hand. How many of you, your dad takes way more than he should? Okay. All right. My 22-year-old son is still raising his hand. The bottom line is, whether he's 22 or 8, I bought them fries. And everything he has, we're talking about these fries, came from who? Me. Do I deserve a few of those fries, yes or no? All right. And all the kids said no, all right? Kids, I, hey, listen, I know this is a hard lesson for you to learn in here this morning, but Dad deserves some of those fries. And listen, according to the Bible, listen, I know we're using the Bible here and it's getting really heavy. He deserves the first <laughs> and the best. Can I get an amen, dads? All right, so we got nobody happy in here this morning, all right? Giving God the best. So when I have the perspective that everything I have was, was first given to me by, by God, it should make it a little easier to give a little bit back to him and, and also to give the first and the best because I realize that he deserves the best. I realize that I can trust him with the first because he's the one that gave it to me anyways and he's going to provide for the rest. We talked about that last week when we went to the book of Haggai and we realized that the nation of Israel for 16 years had not been faithful to God and God's temple was laying in ruins even after what we sang about this morning. God was good to them. God allowed them to go back to Jerusalem. They began to restore the temple that had been destroyed, but because there was opposition, they decided, uh, we're not going to do that anymore. And for 16 years, all they focused on was me, myself, and I. They built their houses. God said to them, is it right that you should build your house and have everything you want? And it describes our American culture of materialism. Is it right that you have everything that you want, and yet God says, my temple lays in ruins. My house is in shambles, and yet you've lived. And, and we understood in that passage where it revealed to us what happens when we have a life that's centered around me. It, it never leads to fulfillment. It always leads to emptiness. We never have enough. And what it described in there was your money that you bring home, you put in pockets that have holes in them. And doesn't that describe our money so often? It's here and then it's, and it's gone. But we, we, the contrast of that was in Malachi last week. When I do give God my best and I do give God my first, now all of a sudden my money doesn't have wings and fly away. It's amazing how God blesses 
the rest. And, and so that's what we're, we're going to continue talking about this morning. So Luke 21. And as you, maybe you're still turning there, if you're, if you're in your, the YouVersion Bible app, the notes are in there as well. Luke 21. Let's read this verse, the first four verses. And he looked, and he being Jesus, all right? So Jesus looked up. He saw the rich putting their gifts in the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. Okay, what most scholars would say, this may be the value of a penny, maybe the value of half of a penny. So she puts two little copper coins into the offering. So he said, again, he being Jesus, Truly I say to you that this poor widow has put, more, has put in more than all. For all these out of their abundance have put in the offering of, for God, but she out of her poverty put in all of the livelihood that she had. And, and here's a quick lesson. And so the big idea this morning on your bulletin says this. God is more concerned with your attitude than the amounts. Okay, God's more concerned with your attitude than your amount because it's exactly what Jesus said here. It says that the rich gave all their offerings, but they gave out of abundance. And Jesus said she gave more than the rest of them. Okay, again, we're talking about her attitude and her heart because she gave out of sacrifice. They gave from surplus. She gave out of sacrifice. Now, when I think about this this morning, please understand, and I know some of you are, maybe this is your first time in here this morning, you're new, and, and, and exactly what so many people stereotype about church is happening right now where you sit here. Have you ever heard the statement, the church only wants my, yeah, apparently you've heard it, right? And so now this is your first time, oh, yep, exactly. Here, here's what I said last week, and, and I want to remind you, we're teaching the principle about money and how we're going to use our time and our talents and our treasures for only one reason, is because we want you to be blessed by God. You see, tithing and giving God of our best and our first, what you need to understand is it's not what God wants from you, it's what God wants for you. Let's apply this to our church, and, and to me specifically this morning, as I stand here and, and teach you this lesson, it's, it's really not about what we as a church want from you. It really is about what we want for you. That I truly believe that if you give God the best and the first of your time and your talents and your treasure, God will bless you. Amen. God will give you blessings, and I'm not just talking about money. Do you realize there's way better blessings of God that have nothing to do with money? Amen. Okay, and, and, and so we can unfold that. Here's what I said last week to kind of prove my point on this. This morning, we're, we're asking those who have made a commitment to be members of this church, if they would be willing to turn this card in. And it was in your bulletin this morning, and it's a simple commitment. It's, it's, you're going to check one of two boxes. I'm going to continue tithing as so many of our members faithfully done for many years. Or maybe you're going to check the box this morning that I'm going to take this 90-day challenge that I'm going to start tithing. And I'm going to try it for 90 days. Malachi says, test the Lord and see if he doesn't bless you. So here's, here's the, the challenge that you would take the next 90 days. Say, God, I'm going to give you the best of my, my time, my talents, and my treasures. And I'm going to make a commitment. At the close of the service, we're going to ask everyone who's signing this card, everyone who's either continuing to tithing or starting to tithe, to bring this up and just lay it on the altar and pray over it. But I'm going to tell you the same thing I said last week. If at the end of 90 days, so you, you make a decision today. And, and some of you already turned these in last week, but you make the decision. I'm going to start tithing. If at the end of the 90 days, 
you want to come to have a conversation with me and say, you know, John, I, I, I took the challenge, and I don't feel like God blessed me in those 90 days, then I'll give you your money back, okay? Because I'm convinced that God will bless you. I, I'm, I'm not, trust me, it's not what God wants from you, it's what he wants for you. Let's go back to the verse we read in, in, in Psalms 24, 7. If everything belongs to God and he's the one that gave it to you, does he really need you to give it back? No, because he owns it all anyways. He, he, here's a great truth. Whether you know it or not, God's already in control of your finances. Okay? And, and let me prove that to you. This week, I already, I already had a story this week where somebody emailed me. And, and they had made a decision last year to start tithing uh, to, and really, I guess, maybe to continue tithing. And, and you know, a lot, of, a lot of people have struggle, right? So it's two months good, God's first and best, and oh, I just got a doctor's bill. Maybe God's not first and best for the next month. And it's, it's a constant struggle for a lot of people, right? So they made a decision. We're going to be committed in the good times and the bad times. God is first, and he's going to get our best. And so for the last year, they've done that. God's blessed them. And, and so Wednesday... They have this, how many of you have the, the budget meeting every week? Okay, zero. All right, so here's what you need to do. You need to sign up for Financial Peace University, Dave Ramsey, and have a financial meeting with your spouse. Anyways, they're having this meeting, talking about their finances. The husband says to the wife, hey, we made this commitment last year. God has blessed us. I think we need to sign our card, and, but we need to give more than a tithe. We need to go beyond 10%. And I don't know what that was. It might have been 10.2%. I don't know what the percent was. I didn't ask. But that was, we're going to give more than a tithe. And again, I think the tithe is the command, but I think the goal is generosity. We, all want to, we always want to move towards blessing God more. And so they make this decision. Reluctantly, she makes the decision. Again, this is her email. This is her words, not mine. And she said, you know, we've got, we've got a fence to take care of. We've got, you know, this bill, that bill. And we could all name our bills, right? And we've got this. I'm not sure, but I'm going to trust you. Let's make the commitment. We're going to give beyond the 10%. We're going to give God first, and we're going to give him our best. Whew. Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon comes. And she walks home after work. There's a note on the door. And guess what the note says? The note is from the neighbor. And the neighbor says, hey, just want to make you aware, I'm getting the fence replaced and I'm taking care of all of it. Isn't God good? This one thing that she specifically mentioned, I don't know if we can give more to God because we got to pay for the fence. In, in less than 24 hours, what does God say? I got you. If you put me first... And you give me the first, you can trust me with the rest. Okay, it's not about what God wants for you, it's what he wants from you. So let's set the scene in the story we just read. So in the temple, they're in, the, in, in a place that would be called the court of women. Right off of that, in, in probably a hallway connecting to that is where the treasury is. And, and so we see this sign. There is over 13 offering boxes in the temple at this time. Okay, we just have two. Maybe, maybe we need 13. I'm not sure. They had 13. But seven of them were for specific things. They were more towards the temple tax. And so if you were over to this box over here, this may represent just the, the, the general temple tax. This one over here may be uh, for the, the, the sacrifice and the offerings. And I'm going to give specifically toward this. But then there were six uh, offering boxes in this area that were what they called a free will offering. In other words, they're, they're just giving of their own free will that I want to bless the Lord and, and God has provided and I want to give just a free will offering. 
This is what this lady, this widow, places her offering. So here's the scene. If you want to read all the description, a little more detail in Matthew chapter 23, gives us a little bit, a, a, a little more of the attitude or the heart behind what Jesus said. Because what did Jesus say here? Jesus said that this lady who gave, you know, two little copper coins gave more than the rest. And what we're saying is God was more concerned about the, um, about the attitude than he was the amount. And so how do we know what, what was really taking place there? Because Luke doesn't give us a lot of information. But in Matthew 23, Jesus is where he goes like on and on, woe to you scribes and hypocrites, and then he just puts them on blast like big time. And in verse number 5, this is what Jesus said about them. He said that they give and all the good works they do, Okay, speaking then of how they give, how they pray, all their rituals in the church, he said they all do it to be seen by men. In other words, they were giving not from a heart of gratitude, but they were giving so that people could see. Jesus knew their heart. Jesus knew that this lady walked kind of over in the corner, and she gave her offering, not trying to do it as a show, but simply to bless God out of sacrifice, not out of surplus. But the, this, this text we read says the rich, what's really referencing is the religious, the Pharisees, the scribes, the one. Read Matthew 23 this afternoon. Jesus like, woe to you scribes and hypocrites. And he just lists and lists and lists. And, and one of them would be regarding how they give their money. They gave for show. And this lady gave out of, out of sacrifice. So God's concerned about your heart, your attitude more than he is the amount. Now, why should I give? Or what does it really matter? Or why, why do we consider this? I mean, look at the title Giving God your heart. How, how does giving reflect or even ha- what does it have to do with my heart? Here, here's the truth is that I don't believe that we're going to give God our best and our first regarding our time, our talents, and our treasure until first we've given him our heart. It's a matter of our priority. It's a matter of our attitude. So four reasons on your bulletin here, four reasons why I believe you should be generous towards God. Number one, your heart follows your money. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. This, this is a familiar passage uh, when you're talking about a stewardship and about putting God first. Matthew chapter 6. And again, this is Jesus talking, Jesus teaching. And there's some really good information here. So your heart follows your money. And I'll be honest with you. In this passage, it simply says, and specifically says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So that's why the statement, the the number one point here, why should I be generous towards God or why should I give, is it says your heart follows your money. And I I sat down and had a discussion with with Pastor Matt this week, and then I went over and had a a discussion with Pastor Dave because uh, it it was hard for me in my mind because I specifically says, well, let's read the text and then I'll get to our little discussion that we had this week. Matthew 6, verse 19. Jesus talking says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So under, you know, as Jesus is talking, he's saying where you put your money, what you invest your money into, what is going to follow that? It says our heart, or our passions, or our emotions, or what we are interested in. And I think you see this played out in our world, right? Whatever you invest your money into, 
eventually you pay attention to, don't you? Uh, Like the video we watched. They invested in some stock they know nothing about and how quickly what they invested became important to them. Their heart, their emotions, their passion, their energy, what they spent their time thinking about followed their money, where they put their money. Now, in, in our Western culture, it, it's hard for us to, to understand that like, it has to be one or the other. So here's what I wrestle with. It says here, where your treasure is, where you spend your money or give your money or invest your money, your heart will follow. That's specifically what it says. But I, then I'm trying to wrestle my mind. It seems like the opposite of that is also true. That what I am passionate about, what I love, what I'm interested in, tends to get what? My money. Like where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. But could we also switch that and say where your heart is, there will your treasure follow as well. And, and, and so I'm trying to wrestle my mind. And, and we kind of land in this thinking. In our, worst, in our Western culture, in our Western mindset, we think of terms of, and specifically in this, that it has to be either or. Like it's one or the other. But in the Eastern mindset, they left a lot of room for both and. So here, here's kind of what we landed on. And, and I think you ought to get a pen and write down because it's such brilliance, all right? It's, two, it's really two separate statements that I think kind of give us this two sides of the coin. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your, where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. I think, I think it can be both. Here's the statement. Because you don't care, you don't give. And, and again, we're talking about our time, our talents, and our treasure. This is not just talking about giving of your money. If you don't care about something, you're not going to give your time to it. Right? If, you don't, if you're not interested. So because you don't care, you don't give. So here's the flip side of that coin. Because you don't give, you don't care. Does that make sense? Okay, I, can they both be true? I, I think so. And I think they're both, they don't, they're not independent of each other. Because you don't care, you don't give. Because you don't give, you don't care. So here, let's, let's that sounds really negative, right? Let's, let's change that, okay? So write this down as well. Because you care, you give. And because you give, you care. Doesn't that sound a lot better? Okay, because you care, you give. If I care about something, I'm interested in something, it's going to get my time, it's going to get my talents, it's going to get my treasure. But then we also think, because I give, because I invest, I think of our, 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 our older generation in our church. The older generation in our church, they're an example of this. Because they have given and invested so much in what God is doing in this place, they care so much in what God is doing in this place. So where my treasure is, there will my heart be also. I want you to wrestle with the two sides of that coin this week. Okay? Think about that. Number two, God loves a cheerful giver. Okay, God loves a cheerful giver. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 and 7. You, you can turn there if you want. Uh, it's going to be up on the screen this morning. But 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 7. We think about what Paul wrote. Okay? So Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians 9. Let's look at verse Number six. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Again, this law of sowing and reaping is not just dealing with finances, right? And what you invest your time in and your talents and your treasure. Uh, And he who sows bountiful will also reap bountifully. Verse seven. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful 
giver. Okay? I should give based out of my heart and my love for Christ. I want to invest in what God is doing in this place. Because God gave his best and his first, I should want to give my best and my first. God loves a cheerful giver. Now, I love this statement, Randy Alcorn, because here's what would be easy to do. If I, if I go all in on this, God loves a cheerful giver and I shouldn't give uh, begrudgingly, as I think is what the old King James used to say. I shouldn't give out of compulsion because I feel coerced to do so. I shouldn't be manipulated to give, and I hope that this church never tries to manipulate you into giving. I shouldn't give unless I'm cheerful. That's what Paul was saying. But, but let's just hold on a second. That doesn't mean that if you don't feel like giving, you shouldn't give. Because what's the verse we just read? Where your treasure is, Sometimes you got to give, and the heart will follow. This is what Randy Alcorn says about this, okay? This doesn't mean we should give only when we're feeling, feeling cheerful. The cheerfulness often comes during and after the act of obedience, not before it. So don't wait until you feel like giving, because it could be a long wait. Just give and watch the joy follow. This is about, again, discipline. Remember last week I talked a lot about my own personal time and if I don't get up early in the morning and spend time with God, it seems like my day is never as productive as I thought and hoped it would be. And, and last Monday, which, you know, I take Mondays off and, and as you guys had kind of followed, uh, I've been, I had been training for this long hike and during that training what my wife and I started doing was going down the Trinity Trail. We might walk 8 to 12 miles on Monday morning, and we decided we were going to start doing that again. And so we had made this decision that last Monday we're going to get up, and we were going to try to get out the door and start walking by 7 a.m. And I'm like, why did I make this decision? My alarm went off at 5 o'clock because I knew I was going to have to give up 5 o'clock to get time with the Lord in order to get ready and prepared to be out the door by 7 o'clock. And can I be honest at 5 o'clock what I did not want to do? You've been there, right? I didn't want to get out of bed. Alarm goes off. And you know what hit me in my head right there, what I was thinking? I just told the entire church yesterday that if they don't get up and give God their best and their first. So, so you guys think sometimes you're guilting into things? Man, you say something publicly and you talk about the weight. I didn't want to get up. Guess what I did? Who thinks I rolled over and went back to sleep? Man, you guys don't think very highly of me. I got up and had a great time with the Lord. And then had a great walk after that. Sometimes we don't feel like doing what we know we should do. But we should do it. And, and most of the time after we do what we know we're supposed to do, even if we don't feel like we're doing what we're supposed to do, the blessing comes after that, doesn't it? All right? So God loves a cheerful giver. Let's keep going. Number three, you will receive an eternal reward. All right? So we talked a little bit about that return on investment. What, what am I investing in? Again, we think about our time, our talents, and our treasure. What are we investing in? Uh, yesterday, uh, I'm proud of a lot of our, our church people. You showed up early. Some of you all were out there yesterday at 6 o'clock in the morning. Uh, I didn't get there that early. Uh, some of us showed up about 7.30 in the morning, and we handed out almost 2,000 pairs of kids' shoes yesterday. It was awesome, and, and you guys did that. It was great. But I had this conversation yesterday at 7.30 in the morning. 7.30 on Saturday morning. You know, who really wants to go out and do, what, do that? But we're there, and this couple said to me, 
man, the last two weeks you're talking about giving God our best and our first, and we just like God was convicting us that we got to give more of our time to the church and to serve God through our church. And so that's why we're here this morning. And I couldn't quite tell, because it was so early in the morning, if they were just confessing their own story or if in their confession they were blaming me for them being there at 7.30. But either way, they were there. What, what do, we, we all have the same amount of time, you realize that, every day. And how are you investing your time? And what kind of return are you getting out of that investment? We, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Uh, this is the biggest waster of most of our time, right? Amen. And the reason it's sitting here is because it's got a countdown. I'm 29 minutes in. I need to hurry up. But do you realize everything, every decision you make, you're investing your time into something, correct? Some of you are going to invest about three hours this evening into a football game, Right? Some of you are not interested at all. And it's not wrong, because guess what I'm going to do for three hours this evening? I'm going to invest my time into young married couples who are coming over to my house to watch the football game. All right? <clears throat> so I'm doing both. I'm doing both, okay? That just came to me. Thank you, Lord. That was awesome. But go back to Matthew ch- chapter number six, where we already were. Matthew 6. This is talking about that return of investment. Again, Jesus says, don't let your treasures on earth. And, and again, this is specifically, he is specifically talking about money. But treasures come in more things than money, right? It's, it's what we're passionate about. It's what we spend our time doing. He says, don't, don't invest only in things that are temporary. Invest in things that are eternal. Which is going to have a greater return on your investment? And I think we, all of us, need to do a little bit better about managing our time and managing our investments. Um, I, won't, I won't spend a lot of time, but I, I want you to, th- when you, on your way home this morning, this afternoon, I, maybe this morning, I want you to think about, I want you to count how many storage units you pass. Count the storage units you pass on the way home today. You know, there's a whole industry on TV making money, lots of money, off of people who put stuff in storage units that they forgot they put in storage units that are sitting there rusting and wasting away? Is that, is that a great investment? We have so much stuff. We have climate-controlled storage units. This, the, the, the reality is probably two-thirds of the world their house doesn't even compare to the storage units that our junk, I mean our treasures, are filling. Listen, everything you own, someone will eventually throw away. All right? So, so to my in-laws and my parents, just start doing that now, all right? Just get rid of some of that stuff. <clears throat> What are you investing that's, that has eternal value? You know, for those, we, we served uh, almost 5,000 people. We gave out almost 2,000 pairs of shoes. 
And, and in order for them to go through, they, most of them had to go through a prayer tent. I don't remember the, the exact number. Some of you might remember. It was 50-something people gave their life to Christ yesterday. Okay, as a result of, yeah, give the Lord a hand. So, so even though I, if we're going to be honest, I didn't really want to get up and go stand in the heat. I, I did this two years ago, and a lot of people just griped at me because I didn't have their size of shoe. But was that time well invested? So here's just a simple truth. Any, anything you invest for eternity, you, the rate, the return of your investment, it's, it's always going to be worth it. Any money you give, it's always going to be worth it. All right, number four. Giving is an act of worship. Giving is an act of worship. I'm not going to take long on this. I, want you, I just want to point out three things as we think about act of worship. When you, when you decide to give God your best and your first, and, and here in a minute, the offering bag is going gonna, is gonna to come by, and, and I know most of you probably give online anyways, but when we, when we make that decision and, and we, we give that gift, we give that offering, and again, we're specifically talking about money now, here's three ways that this is worship. It's worshiping God with our past, our present, and our future. Because what it's saying about the past is, as I give that money, I'm thanking God, I'm understanding that everything I God gave to me, I'm now giving back to him. I'm just giving a portion. It, it's a reminder. It's, it's, a, it's a gift of thanksgiving. It's a worship. It's gratitude. It, the present, it's, it's now right in this moment saying, God, you are my priority. God, you have my heart. Because until God has your heart, you're never going to give him your best and your first. Until God is the number one priority. So in that act of worship that I'm giving that offering, whether it's I'm, I'm acting like I'm putting an envelope in, if you didn't know, or I'm clicking on the internet, right, and I'm setting up that reoccurring donation. In that moment, it's saying, God, in this moment, I'm giving you the first and I'm giving you the best because I trust you with the rest. Which leads us into the third as we think about the priority Gratitude, the third one, is it's an act of faith. God, I'm going to give you from the top, and I'm going to trust you with the rest. Turn me to 2 Corinthians 8, okay, and we're going to be done, I promise. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Okay, now, I'm going to read this from the message translation because I, I just love the way it words it, how it simplifies it, and how it lets me understand it better, and the word, just the wording it uses. So you can follow me along in whatever translation you're using. It'll be on the screen, so if that's easier for you to follow, but, but this, is, this is an awesome couple verses. And, 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 and we're talking about one church in Macedonia that was under severe persecution, in severe poverty. And here's how they reacted to that. Okay, and as we read this, I want you to think in your mind, is this church filled with people who give God their first and give God their best? And what would it look like if Hallmark was filled with people who reacted like the church at Macedonia. So listen, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1. Now, friends, I want to report on the surprising and generous ways in which God is working in the churches in Macedonia province. Number 2, verse 2. Fierce troubles came down on the people of those churches. Remember, they're in severe persecution. Probably a lot of them lost their jobs and their way to, to earn money because they had placed their faith in Jesus. Severe persecution. It says, fierce troubles came down on the people of those churches, pushing them to the very limit. The trial exposed their true colors. Doesn't that, that's what trials always do. The testing of God and the trials of God always expose who we really are, our true colors, it says. They were incredibly happy. 
Is that, is that what you expected to hear in severe persecution, in severe troubles? It revealed their true colors. And what, were, what was the outcome? They were extremely, incredibly happy. Though, look, look what the next statement says, though desperately poor. Remember what Paul said, I have learned to be content. They were extreme, incredibly happy, though desperately poor. The pressure triggered something totally unexpected. It's like as if he's writing about us right now because, and let's keep reading, an outpouring of pure and generous gifts. In other words, Paul is saying here, I was surprised at the results because they're severely poor, but yet they're extremely happy. They're under complete, severe persecution, and yet they're being very generous. Let's keep reading. Verse number three, I was there and sought for myself. They gave offerings of whatever they could, far more than they could afford. Pleading, listen, verse four, I don't think this has happened in in many churches since. Pleading for the privilege of helping out in the relief of poor Christians. They were begging to give an offering. Remember the setting. Severe persecution, extremely poor, yet extremely happy, begging for the blessing to give. Verse number five. This was totally spontaneous, entirely uh, their own idea, and caught up completely and caught us completely off guard. I, I love that. What ex- what explains it? What, how how could this be? How could this church? How could these churches? Be filled with people who have been persecuted, who are extremely poor, yet exceedingly happy, and yet begging that they could give. They were wanting to be generous, even in their poverty. How could, what explains that? That's what Paul says. What explains it is this. They had first given themselves unreservedly to God and to us. Does God have the best of you or the rest of you? goes on to say, the other giving simply flowed out of the purposes of God working in their lives. They had surrendered everything to God, and because God was the first priority, because God had their hearts, the outcome was surprising even to Paul. In their poverty, they gave generously. What would happen if God so got a hold of my heart that I was willing to give like these people in these churches. Would you close your eyes for a moment? So the questions, does God get the best of me or the rest of me? Some of you have been praying over this card for two weeks. Some of you Hid the, hid the card from your spouse so you didn't have to turn one in, right? Here, here's, here's what we need to all ask the question. We all need to answer and wrestle with the question. Am I willing to, to give God first and trust him with the rest? For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Does God have your heart if he doesn't have your money? It seems to me the answer would be no. If, if God doesn't have the best of you and the first of you, does he really have any of you? 
So, so I'm going to ask you this morning to, to really make a decision. God, I'm going to give you the best. I'm, I'm surrendering. I'm committing. I'm recommitting. I'm resurrendering. Lord, here it is. Some of you are going to make a, a decision. Some of you have already checked the box. I'm, I'm going to start tithing. and I'm praying for you. If you'd like me to send you some emails to encourage you as you are challenged to this, just put your email address on there. But the, what we're really wrestling with this morning is not about, our, not about our money. It's about our heart. Because if God truly has our heart, he also has our money. So, so when we stand in a moment, we're going we're gonna to sing a song of worship. If you have this card ready and you're, and you're already got it filled out, or maybe you're going to fill it out as you right now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you when we stand to just come and place it on the altar, anywhere on this altar, and just spend a moment with God, maybe as an individual, maybe as a family, maybe as a couple, and just telling God, God, I'm going to trust you. For, for many of you in here, you're checking the box, I'm going to continue tithing. And, and, you, and I'm asking you to come forward and, and also to lay this on the altar. And maybe for you it's a different prayer. Maybe for you it's, God, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for all these years how even though I've given, you have blessed. So we're going to spend some time in worship at the altar praying. And I'm going to ask you to put your car here and just leave it and ask God to bless it. Would you stand with me this morning as I pray? God, I thank you for this today. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to worship through, through giving. Lord, as, as, I, as I worship through giving, it's a reminder of your, your faithfulness and it's gratitude. Lord, it's, it's realigning my priorities. Lord, it's an, again, it's a step of faith that I'm going to trust you with the rest. Lord, as we come forward this morning and we lay our cards on this altar, Lord, you know our heart, and may we be like the widow who gives from a heart of gratitude, thankfulness, faith, and worship. Bless this time of worship. It's in your name we pray. Amen. As we sing, just bring your, bring your car down and, and spend some time with the Lord.